Hello, and welcome to this speed listen installment of the Six Gun Justice Podcast, featuring everything you need to know about the Mark's Best of the West action figures featuring Johnny West in under 15 minutes, give or take. I'm Paul Bishop. My compadre Richard Prosh and I co-host the full-length episodes of the Six Gun Justice Podcast, but ride solo for our own speed listen bonus installments. In my last speed listen installment, I talked about the history of the Heartland TV Western horse and rider sets and gunfighter figurines. While beautifully sculpted and hand-painted, these collectibles could certainly be played with by kids, but the reality was they were more ornamental shelf gigas than toys. Pretty to look at, but providing limited entertainment. But while the Heartland TV figurines would never be described as action heroes, there was another line of articulated cowboys that were the very definition of the term. In the late 1960s and early 1970s, Lewis Marks Toy Company saw opportunity in the inordinate number of TV westerns which were chasing wanted men, driving cattle, and leading wagon trains across the rugged territory of the American living room every night. To take advantage of this popularity, Marks developed a series of articulated 12-inch western action figures and playsets marketed as the best of the West. The focal character in the series was the iconic cowboy action figure Johnny West. Since 1964, Marks had been looking for a way to compete against Hasbro's newly introduced G.I. Joe action figure line. Their intention was to license the rights to do Fez Parker as Daniel Boone, James Arness as Gunsmoke's Matt Dillon, and others. Daniel Boone was produced, but as a generic historical figure, as the licensing deals proved too expensive, causing Marks to change their approach. Using their state-of-the-art plastic injection technology, Marks also produced a 12-inch articulated generic military action figure they named Stony Smith. Originally, only Stoney's arms were articulated, but very shortly thereafter, Stoney got bendable legs, molded on plastic clothing, and a full arsenal of equipment accessories. But with his 21 points of articulation, G.I. Joe continued to blow away Stony Smith like Sylvester Stallone taking out terrorists. Upping their attempts to counteract Hasbro's aggressive marketing campaigns, Marks threw good money after bad to produce another fully articulated Stony with removable clothing. They repackaged the figure under the name All-American Fighter and gave him a comrade in arms, Buddy Charlie. Hoping to reinvigorate sales, they even updated their original Daniel Boone figure, introducing it as the more specific Daniel Boone Western Scout, this time with the unlicensed likeness of Fess Parker. Marks also tried to catch the wave of the mid-60s spy craze with espionage action figure Mike Hazard Double Agent. The best thing about these early generic Marks figures was they were built rugged, able to stand up to drops, dirt club battles, and bullet impacts from dark guns. However, despite their best efforts, Marks still couldn't get any traction in the action figure marketplace. In 1965, realizing they needed a completely different approach to be competitive, Marks took a step backward instead of a step forward, beginning to focus on producing a 12-inch cowboy action figure named Johnny West, reportedly taking the character's initials from John Wayne. When the market showed interest in Johnny West, Marks added other figures, a wild Mustang, a teepee, a corral, and a jeep with a trailer set to the mix. Following in quick succession were a horse named Thunderbolt with fully removable tack and a junior version of Thunderbolt named Thundercolt. Like God introducing Eve into the Garden of Eden, Marks created the figure of cowgirl Jane West and introduced her into Johnny West's garden. Keep up with Johnny, Jane was given her own range horse, Flame. 
in the arena of the toy wars, it was believed Jane West was Mark's strategic attempt to match Hasbro's G.I. Jane nurse figurine. Jane West would also provide the start of variations amongst the Mark's Western figures. Two years after she was originally introduced, Jane West's head was changed to reflect a thinner, more sculpted face. Mark said the original facial mold had accidentally been broken and updated techniques had been used to give Jane a needed facelift. This is a little far-fetched, as there were many molds of Jane's original head used in production, and it's highly unlikely all of them would have been damaged at the same time. More likely, Marks wanted Jane to have a prettier face in order to enhance their marketing and sales. One can only speculate if Johnny West himself noticed and approved the change. While it's obvious Marks followed Hasbro's lead in the development of action figures, or boy dolls as they were sometimes called, Marks beat Hasbro to the market with the concept of giving the good guys some bad guys to fight. Enter Chief Cherokee, ready to go on the warpath. The original boxes for both Johnny and Chief Cherokee were labeled Action Cowboy and Action Indian, respectively. To avoid accusations of misrepresentation or false advertising, Marx later replaced the word action with movable, because neither figures performed any actions on their own. Marx unified the series of figures and accessories under the Best of the West banner and plunged into a marketing campaign of expensive television ads. Sales soared, and Marx quickly added other figures to the lineup. Johnny and Jane had apparently been engaged in the little hanky-panky as their family grew into two girls, Josie and Janice, as well as two boys, Jay and Jamie. The family also had a Palomino pony named Poncho, two dogs, a German shepherd named Flick, and an English setter named Flack, and for whatever unfathomable reason, a wild buffalo. The West family, of course, needed a homestead, which was made of cardboard and known as the Circle X Ranch, after the Mark's toy trademark logo. The Circle X Ranch sported a buckboard and a covered wagon with fully rigged horses. There was also a plethora of other horses in the collection, including Palomino, black, brown, and chestnut color variations of the original Thunderbolt. Buckskin and Comanche were also added to the stable. Buckskin was available in brown or Palomino. Both horses came with fully articulated legs, necks, and head. When the Wild Wild West premiered on TV and began garnering high ratings, Mark's designers went on red alert instigating their top-secret James West project. Without obtaining a license, Marx put carts before horses and created a prototype figure based on James West, the character played by Robert Conrad on the Wild Wild West. After it was created, however, Marx found themselves in an unfilmed episode of the Wild Wild West playing the part of Miguelito Loveless attempting to take over the world, or in this case, the action figure market when their nefarious quest to obtain the rights from CBS to use the name and likeness of James West blew up like a bomb built by Count Carlos Manzeppi, Marx found themselves wedged between a Conrad and an ever-ready battery. But like any good villain from the Wild Wild West, the evil cabal behind the top-secret James West project initiated their escape plan. The head, with Robert Conrad's features, was placed atop their new Captain Maddox figure, and the Conrad body casting became the basis for Johnny West's new nemesis, Sam Cobra, renegade Batman. Evidence of this could be seen in the way the Sam Cobra figure was constructed. His joints move completely differently than any other Johnny West figure. Most of the other Best of the West Johnny West action figures were, in construction terms, modeled down. Their prototypes starting from a solid block of hard modeling material, then machined, carved, or whittled down like a sculptor working on a block of granite. However, the body of the San Cobra figure, which had been originally designed as James West, 
was modeled up. In other words, the figure was created using artist's clay built around a plastic frame, a more costly but ultimately more articulated design. And if you need more evidence that Mark designed a prototype for a James West Robert Conrad figure, rumors about the boot heel of the James West prototype sliding aside to reveal the hiding place with Jim's Derringer proved true when the prototype eventually surfaced. Marks appeared to have made a habit of making prototypes based on TV characters and the actors who played them without having the licensing rights. When Marks failed to obtain the licensing rights, their practice was to remove the prototype head from the prototype body and use them separately on other characters, as they did with the James West Robert Conrad prototype. As mentioned earlier, the pattern started when they changed the head of their generic Daniel Boone historical figure to resemble Fess Parker and released it as Daniel Boone Wilderness Scout. A few years later, those Fess Parkerish features would turn up as the face of their mountain man, Bill Buck. Another example would be their use of the likeness of actor Chris Jones, who had developed a cult following in the lead role of the short-run Western TV series The Legend of Jesse James. A Jesse James prototype based on Chris Jones was created, but when no license was obtained, Mark simply used the body mold as the basis for the aforementioned Bill Buck figure, then created the character of Zeb Zachary using the Chris Jones Jesse James head on top of the same body mold used for the Captain Maddox figure. A year later, General Custer joined the Marks lineup. This time, the unlicensed likeness was apparently patterned after actor Wayne Maunder, one of the stars of the Western TV series Lancer, only with flowing gold blocks to disguise the adaptation. By this time, Marks had also united a number of generic U.S. 7th Cavalry figures, along with a cardboard fort, under the leadership of good old Captain Maddox and the secondary banner of Fort Apache fighters. To give these fine soldiers someone to fight, two additional Indian figures, Geronimo and Fighting Eagle, were created. Like most toy companies, Marx was more interested in name recognition than historical accuracy. Geronimo was, of course, an Apache who engaged the U.S. Army on more than one occasion, but never the 7th Cavalry Marx had him challenging in the land of Western action figures. Geronimo had name value, and no license was needed. Even more historically odd, the Iroquois Indians on whom the Fighting Eagle figure was modeled were an East Coast tribe, primarily in upstate New York. So there was no way, logistically, that they would have faced off against the Fort Apache fighters. But their mohawk haircuts and bare-chested appearance gave Marks another distinctive Indian to use, and history found itself rewritten to serve commercial viabilities. Johnny West's popularity remained strong during the 70s, giving Marks the encouragement to release more action figures. Apparently, Johnny West was having trouble handling Western badman and gambler Sam Cobra. To help him out, Marks turned to another historical license-free figure, Sheriff Garrett, named, of course, after lawman Pat Garrett of Billy the Kid fame. Around this same time, additional action figures were also released in Canada to expand the collection yet further. These included lawman Sheriff Thomas Good, Outlaw Dangerous Dan, and Cowpoke Jimmy West. A Pinto version of Thunderbolt, marketed under the name Stormcloud, was made available as the official Indian horse, a role Thunderbolt had played in the early years of production. A Pinto and Brown version of the articulated horse Comanche were also turned loose in the corral. Marks also released the smaller Johnny Apollo line of Western figures, most likely in response to increasing plastic prices. When Lewis Marks retired, the Quaker Oats Company took over ownership of the toy line, but keeping the highly recognizable and valuable Mark's name. Shortly thereafter, 
Quaker changed the Best of the West brand to Marx's Best of the West and began distributing box sets of the original figures. However, either they were not aware or didn't realize new manufacturing regulations had come into force, mandating recommended age information on all toys. When the first run of Marx's Best of the West box sets didn't have the recommended age line on them, regulators cracked down, and stickers had to be added to each manufactured box until new stock hit the shelves with the required information printed on the boxes. This created a maelstrom of minutia for completists, as there were three different box variations for each Marx Best of the West figure and or box set. Plain box, no age line, no sticker. Plain box with sticker. Box with imprinted age line. It all matters when you're a collector, and prices vary wildly for the different box configurations. When sales began to flag, Princess Wildflower was introduced into the Marx Best of the West line, hoping girls would be attracted to what was essentially a boy's doll set. But the decline of Marx's financial bottom line continued. In 1975, after 10 years of continuous Johnny West production, Quaker traded out the Marx Best of the West name for a new moniker, the Johnny West Adventure Series. The old figures were repackaged and produced in new, brighter colors, which some stodgy corporate dink labeled as hip and mod. Can something be both hip and mod, or is that a generational clash of nomenclature? What was actually classic cool, however, were the new quick-draw versions of Johnny West and Sam Cobra, in which a lever in the back would allow the characters to draw their pistols. Real action figures. who to thunk it? The new look of the rebranded series also included a new skin tone with the introduction of the Jeb Gibson figure, the first and only black figure created to hang out with Johnny West. None of these new approaches to Johnny West could change the fact Western shows had all but disappeared from TV and the age of the Western action figure had come and gone. By the beginning of the 80s, Johnny West and his posse quietly faded away into the sunset and hopefully a peaceful retirement on the old homestead. During the mid-90s, and again in the mid-2000s, attempts were made to revitalize the Marx Western line with two new figures, Cowboy Kid and Chief Cherokee. Unfortunately, Cowboy Kid was simply a poor-quality remake of the Captain Maddox figure with old Johnny West accessories and a Thunderbolt horse, which failed to garner much attention. It also didn't help that the Chief Cherokee figures were made from inferior plastic materials from Mexico. They were very often still in the box when the bodies literally cracked during shipping or paint began peeling. During the heyday of the Best of the West, Johnny was a rootin' tootin' fast gun with a pretty bride, a gaggle of kids, some good friends on the side of law and order, and a desperate posse of wanted men and warring Indians to keep him and a whole generation of young wannabe cowboys busy. He is fondly remembered and definitely keeps the collector market busy. Thanks for listening to this bonus Speed Listen installment of the Six Gun Justice podcast. Remember to check out our website at www.sixgunjustice.com for regularly updated reviews, articles, and interviews from the best of the Western wordslingers. Prior Six Gun Justice podcast episodes, Six Gun Justice speed listen installments, and Six Gun Justice conversations are available on all major podcast streaming platforms. Till next time, be kind to yourself, be kind to others, and keep your lariat looped. Adios. I'm out of here. Let's ride.